Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Your Personal Finance with uh, Dr. Charles Ross. It's a Friday. Yes, happy Friday, everyone. Hope you're having a good start to your evening. Uh, We have an interesting show for you on uh, tonight. Uh, Joining me later on in just a little bit is going to be Dr. Gretchen Torbert. She is a, a successful author of over 70 books. I thought I was doing something when I... (laughs) When I wrote two books, but she's written 70 of them. She's also uh, a life coach, a humanitarian, educator, philanthropist, entrepreneur, mentor, wife, mother, and motivational speaker. She's also the founder and CEO of Teachers Across the World, and that has 100 chapters, including the local chapter of Teachers of Atlanta here. So um, I'm going to play a segment of my vignette your personal finance and on the other side of that hopefully we'll be talking with Dr. Torpin stick around your wallet is a little short but the bills keep coming financial strategies when money is tight on today's your personal finance Charles Ross. 
some wise advice there, wise advice there. Well, joining me now uh, via phone from her Atlanta home is uh, Dr. Torbett. Uh, Doc, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I'm so glad that you're able to take some time out of your busy schedule with you writing 70 books. Whew. I don't know how you find the time. And and you're a mother, got a couple of kids, and you're an educator, and you do professional development, and you have this uh, 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 see, uh, teachers across the world. How, how do you find, find time for all of this? Well, I believe there's a, it's a burden as well as a blessing in my purpose. And I find that I want to help others to develop within their calling as an educator and be a professional and to do so you know I've developed the materials to help and conduct the professional developments as well but also to give a network um, where educators can come and debrief and relate get a laugh or share information so that's the hub of that so it's, it's a burden as well as a blessing to be able to pour into others and even though at night I may go, I may lay down uh, with with a sense of uh, feeling restless and tired. I still wake up with the passion of, you know, this is not about me. This is about keeping others encouraged and going. So, do you always like have? I know musicians and and songwriters always say they have a song in their head. Do you always have a book that's in your head that you're dying to get down on paper? Yes, it is. Oh, gosh. And you said it exactly correct. I think um, as I've gotten older, it's gotten worse. The books just come all the time, from titles to characters to, to ideas. I could be, even from being on this panel, you know, just getting um, on the show, I can get an idea from there. And so once I'm off, I have to jot it down. So if, if I'm the type of woman, I have to have paper and pen with me. So either I carry it in my purse or keep it in the car, keep it in my bag. Because if I can't write it down and I'm not always a digital person put it in my phone, it's just, it just wears on me. And so, yes, the, the titles stay in my head, the subjects stay in my head, the characters, the concepts, the ideas. It's just, it's there again, that blessing as well as that burden. It is every day and it's constant, it's nonstop. So you, now you mentioned something about uh, you know characters. So do you write mostly uh, fiction? I have a mixture of the genre. I have fiction as well as nonfiction, some self-help books as well, and educational material, um, all the way from uh, writing as, as for the youngest group, early childhood, nursery, as well as adults. And so um, that. And but I'm thinking about that particular day or what's going on in society or what is needed, but it's fiction as well as nonfiction. Wow, you know um now one of the things that i i i I did when I was writing my two books and um that i was I would sit down at well not the typewriter but the computer, and whether I wrote one word, one page, or a hundred pages, that's what I would do at a certain time is, is, how do you discipline yourself to make sure you can get done what you need to get done I think that's a work in progress for me um, I like I said I keep paper and pen with me but I try to set goals and I try to have a to-do list if I do not have short and long-term goals a to-do list daily I do not feel like I'm being productive 
So for me, I have to daily, this is what I plan to do, this is what I want to execute, this is what I, what I want to get done. Now, there are times, depending upon what I'm doing, I may find myself procrastinating, but even in my procrastination, if I do not get it done, for me, I feel like, because I'm, it's like I'm competing against myself, for me, I feel like I wasn't, I'm not fulfilling my purpose. So if something has been lingering for a while, I'll put a time stamp on it, and that, that is very fulfilling for me to know by this date, I need to get this done. Now, I have some titles that I have either outlined, I began to write upon years back, that I'm still going to go back and revisit. I get some peace out of not finishing some titles because uh, of my relationship with Christ, and he'll, you know, just converse with me and say, well, this one is still being developed. But then there's other titles here with a heavy burden upon my heart. I need this to be complete because this is for somebody else. And, you know, and, and that's how it is. You know, it's just, it's just oh, my goodness. It's, it's like that all the time. And I am totally lost in a library. I'm just like, in a bookstore? That's like heaven for me. I don't have to go on a trip, vacation, anything. Just put me in the middle of a bookstore, give me something to eat, let me be in my zone, and I'm gone. <laughs> And, and and that's one of the things I love to do. I mean, me and my wife will go to the bookstore and spend hours in the bookstore. And you know, when I, when my my daughters were young, the bookstore was the only store when they had bookstores in the mall that they could go in and buy something. And uh, and they always had and, you know children's books are two or three. Well, back then it was like three, four, or five bucks, so it wasn't that big a deal. But the whole point was to to enjoy that love of reading and finding things that you really want to learn more about. Now, you, uh, considering your journey that you now have the highest degree that you can have in, in education, which is a Ph.D., uh, you were told years ago that you would never finish high school? Explain that. Yes, just I just don't like that, too. Yes, I, my, my child was a lot of trial and error, and so I encountered a lot of situations that without the proper guidance that I think that might have been needed or having um, the right people in my life to, um, if I would say as a coach or a mentor, I just made a lot of wrong turns. And so even though I was still a good student, a good person, a good child, those wrong turns at times would deviate or cause me to finish tasks at a slower pace. So, for instance, I finished my college degree in seven years versus four. Wow. Now, why was that? I mean, you just was distracted, or I just, you just—it was—it was partial distraction for me because, for well, I would say part of it was distraction, but part of it was just not having the right type of mentor in my life. Someone to say, okay, this is what you want to major in. Um, I had started off saying I wanted to be a, a lawyer and maybe even a doctor and not realizing, okay, you need to kind of fine-tune it. So I just spent some, some time just taking unnecessary courses where I could have been more focused if someone would have said, well, hey, you have creativity and you like to teach others, and maybe you should be a teacher. Now, teaching still wasn't the goal because then I thought, well, now I'll be an interior decorator or either I will go into theater. So now you see my mind is kind of still where I am now. It's just all, it was everywhere. Not really having to be able to hone in and have a focus on one thing. So then I spent, 
after my core subject years, I spent almost about a year studying theater. And I'm not to me, I enjoyed the acting. I enjoyed learning about the whole production and the theater and the stage. But it was not a career. And then I said, okay, I'll just be an actuary. And so um, not really knowing the, the amount of math that it would take to do so. And so then I found myself in some classes that were too hard for me. And But I think with appropriate coaching and guidance, and to be able to maybe analyze and maybe take an assessment, I could have really honed in on what it was I was supposed to be doing. So that's how I would teach math, knowing that I had taken so many math courses. Okay? Even in that, I still end up taking some additional courses I did not need. So now it's like I'm wasting time. So I think just throughout high school as well as college, even if the mentors are God are guiding was there, I did not know how to tap in and take advantage of that. And so I tried to, which is why what I do now is so important is sharing knowledge and information. It's because I don't want no one to experience the, the, the notion of wasted time. For me, wasted time is detrimental because it's not like wasted money. You can always earn more money, but time you can never get back. And so I look back over so many opportunities, the time could have been utilized a lot different for me. And so, and then also in addition to that, not having a cheerleader in my life to say, hey, good job. Hey, do not worry about it. You know, if I made a mistake. Um, even providing guidance on how to take care of a car, how to not get into credit card debt in college, you know, just little things. You know, how to save up, you know. And so I believe in conjunction with the fact of the negativity voices that I was hearing, along with not having that additional guidance to do the things I need to do, I think the time just worked against me, didn't work for me. So now I find myself going against time and saying, hey, look, you know, I have 24 hours in a day. I'm up early. I'm playing, meditating. I'm setting goals and keeping see my spirit. I'm trying to learn new knowledge. If I don't understand it, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm meditating on the words. I'm listening to great pioneers, like I just recently watched Harriet Tugman, and I've been trying to study her life, you know, the gifting that she had to be such a great pioneer. And that's that's what I'm doing. I don't want to waste any more time. Even though there's time I procrastinate, I still don't want to waste the value of this day. And I want to be able to go lay down at night and say, okay, I conquered this goal. And that's and you, you mentioned something that's so important that uh, – you know, that would help you overcome some of the roadblocks that you have and obstacles in your life is having a mentor. I didn't have one either, and, and I bumped and bruised in business and life and stuff like that. Having somebody to kind of help you in your in a particular specialty and that kind of thing. And, you know, I've been kind of fortunate now that I do have a mentor in my real estate business, someone who I respect tremendously and has the years and, you know, is doing what I want to do. But then um, I'm getting the opportunity to mentor, you know, somebody else. I, I got a, I got a call from from a colleague, and uh, they didn't know about the, some of the things I had done, and wanted me to mentor them. And so, I think giving back 
gives you an opportunity to share your knowledge and also, you know, impart that to somebody else and pass it on to the next generation. So in writing these 70 books, what would you tell somebody who, because I think everybody has a book in them, even if it's a memoir about their own life. But what, what would you tell somebody in terms of writing a book, whether it's a fiction, nonfiction, what, what would you tell them how to get started? How would they get started with this? Well, I, I get this question quite often because people look on the outside in and they're like, well, oh, you've written a lot. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, if only you knew how much more is in me. But I tell them you have to get started. Even if it's an outline, get started. Um, initially, before I knew they were books, and I thought it was little summer nets, you know, and I'm just writing this stuff down. By me writing an outline or just even journaling the thoughts or even giving the character a, a, a visual, you know, drawing a picture of a sketch. And I have all this stuff saved, right? I said, you got to put it on paper. I said, without it being on paper, it is really void. I said, once you place it on paper, even if you look at the biblical aspect of that, Habakkuk 2, once it's placed on paper, there's almost an obligation that is linked to that to make, make, to make you want to fulfill it. So if you put that outline down, if you outline that I want to, like I'm getting ready to publish a book about blacks in America and, and the medical piece behind it by this author, great phenomenal book. She, she's been a nurse for 40 years. And, and it was so interesting because she was telling me how she got started. She said she had to put it on paper. I said, yes, I tell authors that all the time. Whether they've written a book or not, it has to be on paper. Write that outline. Once you have produced that outline, that I know I want to have 10 chapters, or I know I want to have 30 chapters, and I know I want to have a quote before each chapter, and a journal page at the end of each chapter, and I want the chapters to be divvy up like this. There's, there's something within you that is a spark to say, okay, this as the time goes by and that outline is sitting there, something within you will draw yourself back to that outline to start to fulfill each part of it. And I, I even tell them, too, even if you're struggling along the way with getting the development of the outline, go get the other parts of the book. You're going to do an about the author. You're going to do an acknowledgement. You're going to do a dedication. Get those down. And then I even tell some people who have a great story but maybe need a ghostwriter, I need visuals. In the past, we've helped people to to get their outline done so they can go in and start writing. Give me a visual. What does Melissa look like? You said Melissa cheated on her husband. Well, what does she look like? What were they living at? I want to. What does the house look like? What state are they living in? Do they have kids? What kind of car does she drive? Okay, so that's, that's fictional. Then if it's non-fictional, if you want to help educators with guided reading, okay, so what is needed in that classroom? Walk me into a classroom that you know this educator needs to hear what you have to say, and it needs to be written because you're going to do a professional development on it. Now you're going to become a consultant because you're going to make it into a business. Okay, so what is needed to make guided reading work in this classroom? So once they start to think like that, you know, because we even published a pastor's book before where he's a minister, and he had, he's a, he, he, has, he had a word for the people. I said, well, what do you want them to receive out of that? And I said, you know, every ministry is a business. So it's not just the book. It's the ministry around the book. It's the business around the book. Now you need your website. Now you need your business cards. You know, what is it, how much is it going to cost us to have you to fly up to speak to us? Is there a per book minimum amount that I need to purchase? Once they start to see all of that, 
And it starts, they can see it and smell it and taste it and feel it. And they place themselves right in the midst of it. Oh, then they're apt to write. They're apt to write. Because then, then, then they can feel it, you know? And that makes a big difference. You know, one of the things that uh, surprised me, well, it didn't surprise me, you know, because my undergrad is in journalism, so I've, been, I've written before. But how lonely writing can be. You know, because no one can write for you. I mean, you have to do it yourself. And I understand how uh, some uh, writers, successful writers, very prolific writers, have become alcoholics and in drugs because it's a it's a very solitary yes. thing that you do. You can't really yeah. share it with anybody until you ask somebody to edit. You have to put the pen to paper or put your uh, your fingers on the um, the the computer and, and and write it out. That's why I took a page from Stephen King, who says he writes every day. I mean, five wow. six days a week. He's phenomenal. You know how prolific he has been, and that's yeah. that's one of the things. Now, one of the things, you know, people hear you and the energy that you have. You're a very humble person. Can I share the story on how we met? You know oh, how <laughs> we. I was I was I was writing my dissertation, and so my dissertation chair said I was struggling with a certain chapter. She said, "Well, I'm gonna send you this copy of this this one of my former uh, 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 students, and 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 look at hers and and kind of give you an idea on how to format and all this stuff." So they sent me this one, and it was it was you know Dr. Gretchen Torvin. I'm thinking that was a white person, right? So, <laughs> so I'm so I'm reading this thing. Well, then later on, I went to a job interview, and I'm in there with a, with a team one where they had about five or six people, and I noticed this one woman. She kept smiling at me, and I'm like, okay, she's smiling at me. And I say, she must know me from somewhere because, you know, I've been in Atlanta 30 years. So I leave the interview, and she calls me. Says, hey, this is uh, Dr. Torbert. I was like, hey, how you doing? Come to find out that uh, when we worked in, uh, in, a, in a certain district, that we had both, you know, taught at a Saturday school uh, for about, right. a, I guess, for a, a semester or something, maybe maybe a couple of semesters. And so, it, it, you know, all I'm, I would say that to say that, you know, when you meet uh, Dr. Torby, she's a very humble person. But when you start talking to her, then all that stuff comes out. And you hear all this stuff about what she's doing. That's why I'm always amazed about how much time she has to do all these things but she's a great mother to her, you know, she has a daughter, she has a son, and her son, who didn't want to come on because he's kind of shy, he's uh, got his own little business. He's got his own little business. He's, what, 14, 15 years old? He is 12 years old. He's and yes, 12. He does wow. have his he's 12 years old, and he wants to make his own money. He, he, is, he is so um, inspired to make his own money and do his own thing and purchase his own items. And so we've been working with them to just kind of, you know, not be dependent. If you want it, go get it. Aspire to go get it. You know, that's so, my, daughter, my, <laughs> my daughter is, I would tell them, I said, I'm going to give you a certain amount of allowance. But if you want this other stuff, you're going to have to work for yes. that. And all my daughters, as soon as, as soon as they were able to get a job, they, they got a job. And my daughters are some of the hardest working, you know, women uh, in America, you know. Uh, and so... That's the one of the things you have to teach them, and that and that and I learned that myself when I was growing up. My father owned uh, two dry cleaners, and uh, I worked for him for free. <laughs> you know, so I didn't get paid. All of us was eight of us. We all were, were cheap labor. So you know, that's how he built his business. So you know that you ha- I think parents have to understand that sometimes giving them everything 
doesn't teach them to value stuff. When I was young, I, I, I kind of remember this is that I, I had a newspaper route, you know, when I was, I can't remember how old I was. I guess I was 13, 12 years old. I had a newspaper route, worked for my dad. And, you know, um, so these things really, teach. And I'm sure your son is, is, is learning from you and watching you because kids don't, <laughs> don't listen to what you say. They look at what you do and they see mom, dad do. out there doing all this stuff. And then guess what? They want to say, hey, that's my model for you know what it takes to be success now you you write your own books but do you publish others as well it's because someone come to you and I do. Uh, you can help I them do, publish other people okay yes i do you know. we, we have solid house publishing which is solidhousepublishing.com and um we do have people from start to finish whether it's providing consultations um ghost writing editorial services copy edit story edit um, from start to finish, we help people produce their books, whether they want a contact, software, or ebook copy. But yes, we do. We help them to to produce their book, whether they finish the book, have have the book has been finished, or whether they're working towards finishing the book, and just or even if they just have a thought, you know, we just help them to go through that process. As a matter of fact, tonight I'm I'm going to go into showing some of my personal space, and even how I. I gather my thoughts to produce, you know, whether it's the light is candle, the candle's lit or the music is playing, you know, I get into my muse, my zone, you know, so we help from, from start to finish, even after the book is completed, what, what's next, you know, as far as your marketing, your advertising, and then even how to bring yourself, you know, and so, yeah, we, we sure do, it. and I enjoy doing it for, for different people, because different people publish books for different reasons, you know, so I enjoy that process as well. And that's the thing that, uh, you know, uh, I self-published my first book. And uh, in doing that, this is back, oh, wow, this is back in late 80s, early 90s, when we don't have all these tools that we have now. And then I found a publisher to publish it for me, Thomas Nelson Books. They published my first one, Your, Your Common Sense Guide to Personal Financial Planning. And by the way, if you call in and ask Dr. Torber the question, you'll get a free copy of my book. The number to call in oh, is 516 That's 516-387-1554. Call in, ask Dr. Torbett a question, and I'll send you a free copy of my my book. But one of the things I wanted to say about self-publishing is that it taught me a lot about the marketing, how to put a book together. So when I went to my publisher and negotiated my deal, I understood a lot about marketing. See, it wasn't that I was just a talent. I understood the business side. And, uh, and, and and that really right. helped me in terms of understanding how this book was going to be successful. And now it's so easy. I'm not going to say it's easy. It's, well, it's a lot easier to publish a book because of an entity called Amazon.com. I mean, you could publish a book and put it up there, and guess what? People could buy your book from there, or you could sell it yourself. So there's so many ways now that you can uh, publish something and if you have an idea that you want to get it out there, uh, I've, I've earlier uh, this week I had a guest on and I said, with this pandemic, there's some good things that could come out of it. With this pandemic, we're all sheltered at home supposedly, and if you don't come out of it with a with a with a, a new skill, some more knowledge, yes. or a side hustle, you don't lack time. You lack discipline. That's yeah. <laughs> that's that's, that's exactly the truth. You have a, you have a lot of time right now, and uh, and that's one of the reasons I started this radio show. I said, well, I got some more time because I've been thinking about it for about a year or so. And I said, I don't have an excuse. I have some time now. I can't go out. Right. Me and the wife can go to the movies or go to a play or whatever. And so I could spend some time doing that. 
Um, so what's your ultimate goal, Dr. Torbett? I mean, you're a great educator. How many years in education you have now? 20, 15, this 20, 30? This would be my 18th year, going 18. into my 19th. Mm-hmm. So what's, your, what, and what's I, looming out there? What's the big, what's the end game for you? I think the end game for me would be to travel the world. Um, I enjoy motivational speaking. So I'm believing that's it. I believe that's the big piece. Um, Of course, I have my products with me. You know, I love fashion. You know, I dip and dab and sewing my own clothes and doing my own makeup. You know, so I love stuff like that. I love the girly girl stuff. So, but to get out and to inspire, so it's going to be a cross between inspirational, motivational, and spiritual. Um, I don't think it's just full, uh, 100% uh, biblical, but it will have a very spiritual backing to it. Then when I'm out there, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging people. Now, I do think it will cross lines into the educational sector. But I can see myself also going into the corporate arenas, just empowering people uh, to do what it's innately in you to do, to encourage and to inspire you. I, I currently pray on Thursday for some people who are going through some trial times throughout this season. And even though it's helping me be having more discipline in my prayer life, but it's also showing me that in the process that God is showing me, you're going to help other people because they see something in you that you, like you mentioned, I, I, I really, I really, really, really love celebrating other people. And I don't always see or take the time to celebrate myself. I see the accomplishments of myself because I know, I feel like there's more work to do. But I can definitely, especially, let's say I, I meet someone and they're publishing their first book, I can, you know, we'll go buy the, the trophy, we get the cake. It's a, it's a great accomplishment. So I see myself traveling the world offer motivational, inspirational, spiritual-based conferences where I'm able to speak, have products, and just help people to reach their goals. So I'm, so I'm going to put you on the spot. So why, why are you not doing that now? Why don't you just wow. quit teaching? <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot I've seen you speak, and you do professional development for educators. So my question is that, with the time, because you got somewhere you're eight hours a day, you know, somewhere, you know, teaching, you know, students and stuff like that. And so if you had those eight hours back and you was able to put it into being a motivational speaker, getting on the road and doing that thing, you know. So my question is, what's stopping you? I believe I can answer a question too, tired. I think personally, God was still working out some things in me so that I can feel uh, secure in myself, so I know that I'm my worst critic. So I want things to look a certain way, be a certain way, and so you know I thought, okay, let me get my kids to be a little older. Let me um, look to par. Uh, let me work out a few more things in my within myself, whether it's emotional, spiritually, or whatever. And I just had like this time stamp of when I think that should be. However, I know spiritually, God uses whomever He wants. And so, and at the end of the day, it's not about, oh, losing all this weight or, you know, finishing up 
getting, you know, the kids off to a higher level in school, you know, moving somewhere else, or working on this personal issue, is or paying off this debt, you know, it, when he's ready, he's ready, and he wants you to be ready too. So I think once again, the challenge that I had um, initially pioneered through my earlier years in life, I need now. I do spend a lot of time pointing out helping others where I know I have in this season I need to be praying for certain people to come around and undergird me and say, Okay, you know, in this area I'm gonna coach you through this. In this area, you know, I'm gonna mentor you through this so that I am making wise decisions to move forth and not and you know, causing myself enable myself where, you know, I'm just being stagnant in this area knowing that I'm supposed to move forward. That's what I was saying about the prayer. When the young lady reached out to me to start having prayer on Thursday, I was like, well, we can find someone else. And instantly my spirit is like, nope, God is like, nope, I want you to do it. And I'm like, look, I'm not putting nope, I want you to do it. So it's almost like she she saw something, but I knew it in the, in the, the depths of my spirit that there is a calling that's there. But by her seeing it and being someone like a mentor or a coach to say, no, this is what's needed, and you have it, so can we go ahead and move forward with it? It put me on that roll of this in the sand. Okay, Gretchen, since you are going to pray over these people's lives and you're not taking it for granted, now I need you to work on this area of life. I want you to get up and read your word a little bit more. I want you to pray a little more and intercede on behalf of what's needed for those who are listening. It, it's causing me to be more disciplined versus not having that, and I'm just kind of being like basical with it, taking my time, you know, and, and not really pushing forward. So to answer your question, I, I think I, I I am my enemy, you know. It's like, okay, Gretchen, I got to work through that to, and pray and, and just ask God to put the right people in my life to say, this is the step you need to take. Be encouraged to do so. And don't worry about so many things that don't really quite matter to what he has for you to do. It's not about a certain size, a certain look, or if the kids are going so. All of those things are already and, and it sounds like to me that you, you're you're doing a lot of stuff. You're doing a lot of different things, and, it, and they're all being all very successful. And I think the missing ingredient that you need, this, if I was just listening to you and what I know about you, is you need a manager, someone to mm-hmm. kind of you know kind of take with all the stuff you do and say, okay, we need to do this, we need to do that, and so forth and so on, and help and, and help you be that sounding board that you can that you can use somebody to kind of help you navigate and get to where you need to be because you're doing it all by all yourself and sometimes yeah. you know you can't represent yourself sometimes you need somebody else to be your pied piper you know what i mean to go out and and wow. be your mouthpiece and speak about you you know and, and how uh, do you go by, you're successful in this how do you go by finding a manager well i've never had one so <laughs> Mm. But, I mean, you have to ask people who have one because sometimes managers manage more than one person. You know, um, mm. with you, when you say you want to be a, a you know a speaker, then you know there are speakers bureaus out there. That's one way they could manage and book you and do stuff. But in terms of you know uh, navigating your end game in terms of okay, where do you want to be? You know, in terms of five, ten, fifteen years down the road, and what are the things and components you need? To be able to be to be successful doing that. Now, I don't know any business managers. Well, business manager is one thing, but someone to help you manage your your career. I guess maybe more so manage your business in terms of helping mm-hmm. you 
look at where you need to devote your, 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 your time to. Because the one thing that I did 20 years ago when I had my syndicated radio show, a newspaper column, magazine column, I was writing books, I was doing seminars, I was all over the place, you know. Wow. And, you know, you need to focus on the things that you do best and the things that are going to get, obviously, earn you the most money, obviously, because you got to take care of yourself. Just something to think about as you start thinking about it. If you, I always believe if you put stuff out there in the atmosphere and you speak about it and ask people who have managers, then perhaps, you know, they'll come to you. So I don't, I don't know any managers. I wish I did, but I don't know any. And hopefully maybe some listening to this broadcast might be able to assist you in that, in that area. Now, how can somebody get a copy of your books? You've written 70 books. I mean, how do they, how do they get a copy and see the things that you wrote? Like, you've got to have some vessel. Yes? No? Yes. Most of them are housed on Amazon. Okay. Um, I search in my name, and then uh, quite a bit of them are located on our website, which is www.solidhouseplevachine.com. Okay. And, um, yeah, so between those two avenues, they can locate a, a vast majority of the books. Okay, all right. And because I think that's important that people be able to, you know, access what you do. So solidhousepublishing.com, and then also yes. uh, they could go to oh, amazon.com. And uh, and if folks uh, are listening to this broadcast there, because a lot of folks don't listen to it live, they will they will listen to it later on as it's recorded. If you send me an email, then I'll send you the the link that you can go and uh, you know find her books and things like like that. So before we go, how do you? I want to talk about two things. One, uh, I want to talk about as an educator with this distant learning that you're doing now, and you're in the middle of it. You're in a middle school. Is that correct? That's correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how is that going? Let's talk about how this distant learning is going. Well, for the distant learning, um, the big piece of this puzzle at the is three tires. So you have this, the students who are trying to adjust to this new norm and not accustomed to having someone standing physically before them instructing them. And that's not just an instruction of academics, but it's also mandating and and being mindful of the discipline piece. And that's not even discipline as far as behavior, but that's being disciplined as far as their time. And then you have parents who, are, who I am very compassionate about and understanding that either they work or they are not aware of what to do to help in those areas of uh, setting guidelines and schedules for their kids and helping them with the instruction. And then it's the teachers. So I think, um, well, for myself, I don't, I don't think I'm alone in this situation where I just have a tad bit more compassion to the fact that I have to work and find a pace that works best for myself as well as the kids. I, I um, Whereas there's a lot of pressure on the students to perform when I'm standing before them, I'm being more lenient as far as giving them opportunities to get the assignments in, even if they're late. Um, having more compassion uh, uh, for the fact if there's some social emotional issues going on because I do work with students who are dealing with poverty and and um, basically taking care of their siblings or just not having enough or whatever the means may be for them. Um, just having more understanding base for that. And is what the big piece I started thinking about is that we are more than just a grade. So for so long, we're focusing on grading, we're focusing on evaluation of teachers, and then we're focusing on assessment of, of children's learning. And I'm like, you know, really, we are more than just a grade. So to me, I'm even having conversations with some kids, the very few that I do work with, 
but of course running back with me. And I'm like, okay, if you know, let's start thinking about a trade. What do you enjoy doing? And some of them, um, if they're not completing assignments, but they have at this hour paper and pencil or crayons and markers, I'm asking them to draw pictures. And these, I'm talking about seventh, eighth graders. You know, draw pictures, develop your portfolio of your artwork. You know, I'm even. Not to say it has to become a book, but I'm telling you, you know, you never know how great your artwork is and who may see it. I'm just asking them to be so creative during this time. Now, will my mandates count for the state of Georgia? No. You know, not even for the system that I'm working in or the school. But I'm trying to look at the learning piece a little different for them. So I, it, took, it took a lot of pressure off myself as well as the pressure on some of the parents I communicate with, even but even more so the pressure of the students that, you know, Dr. Torbert cares about me holistically as an individual versus, okay, you know, you need to get this paper in by all means necessary, and they don't even have access to Internet or the computer. Just get some paper, draw, get some fresh sunlight, don't go too far in the neighborhood. You know, just be wise. You know, what can you go out and be creative with? What can you do with Ross? I have one young lady. She's painting rocks. She accented her little clip of this lady and her daughter painting rocks for inspiration. She's painting rocks. And has she did it in my work? No. But I'm still trying to keep that mind active, keep her busy, as well as keep her encouraged. Now, what percentage? Obviously, if you're dealing with with uh, African-American students, you know, chances are you're going to be dealing with some students that are, uh, you know, in poverty and don't have access to technology and, and the Internet. What percentage of your students are, are logging on, would you say? I mean, you know, um, would it be 50 percent, 20 percent, 100 percent? What percentage of your students, you say, are logging on and actually submitting assignments? Um, it's a very low percent. I would say about 10 percent. Wow. So this whole second half of the second semester is is going to be interesting because if you're only getting 10%, one out of 10 students logging on, the other ones are just, I guess, having a good time. And it could be very a, a variety of reasons why they're not logging on. And as you have already said, the compassion is that, you know, you're, these kids are at home uh, with a caregiver, a parent, guardian, who is, may have to work. Uh, they have other siblings. They may ha- not have a room where they can go and do their assignments, you know, whereas in the classroom, they, you know, they do have some opportunity to have some seclusion or at least be quiet so that everybody can get their work done. And that's going to be interesting because so, I see the distant learning as more distant learning slash homeschooling because parents are having to jump in and, and help these kids with, you know, uh, not being able to log on or helping them be disciplined enough. To, to get up and do some of this stuff. The other thing I think that is coming up is that, as 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 you well know, you've done online learning and teaching as well as I have. That the inequities and in that you have to be able to, in order to do online learning very well, you have to be able to read well and comprehend well, and also be able to write well. Are you seeing some challenges in that area where students are a couple of the grades below level in language arts or math and having to real struggle with that? Oh yes, it's just the struggle is. Oh boy, this is gonna take. If they really reevaluate testing, grading, evaluation system thoroughly, they should begin to move us into the direction to help change the way we were going. Because I have students who, if I'm teaching seventh grade, they did not pass fifth grade, so there's already deficits. 
So wow. we already have a lot of catching up to do. Now that's based upon this traditional European learning. Okay, but it's still the basic reading, writing, math that is needed. But we're behind. So I think the whole evaluation system of this, and how students learn and what they're learning, it needs to be changed. Maybe it needs to be family learning. If I'm teaching you as a physical student in seventh grade, but your mental capacity at this level, at this time, is of a third grader, okay, maybe my classroom, man, that, that's gonna, that picture may look kind of funny because, you know, in the community level, you, you need to be in an environment where you're learning at your level so I can see growth instead of pushing you to a level of frustration when you're not performing and just passing you along. I think this may help, depending on how long this situation lasts, not just keep pushing kids along. Like, granted, these kids are going to move on, but it, it may be the side of trying to look at things that's a little bit different because it's unfortunate. Yeah, it, and I think this pandemic with the health issues and the inequities that we see in the health area with you know African Americans are uh, uh, some of the ones that are dying at a at alarming rate than others, and of course now with the education component that students are going to be behind because they don't access, they don't have access to the technology, let alone have the skill set to be able to do distant learning, online learning. So that's going to be an interesting conversation that we're going to have to have the nation is going to have to have, not just in, in Atlanta yeah. or Georgia, yeah. but all across the country. And I just hope we can have that conversation. But before I go, I want to ask you, so you seem to be so wound up all the time. How do you relax? What do you do to relax? To say, okay, <laughs> what do you do to relax? <laughs> I have to, the cardio piece is really important to me. So I like to get out and walk and jog. I love to go to Stone Mountain Park. That is so therapeutic for me. Just to be in nature and to listen to water. So that's outdoor relaxation for me. Indoor, I like the candles. I do not like lights. I have never liked lights. <laughs> so the lights need to be um nice little candle, some soft music playing, and hey, I'm good. I am I'm I am great. <laughs> well, good, yeah. good. Because you sound like you. At some point, they say if you don't find a time to relax and 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 you know take care of yourself, your body will eventually tell you that. And so I'm glad that you found some ways to relax. Uh, once again, uh, Dr. Gretchen Torbett, uh, a author of 70 books, a life coach, the founder and CEO of Teachers Across the World, and a mother, wife, mentor, entrepreneur, just doing a lot of great stuff. Thank you so much for being on your personal finance. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Dr. Ross. I appreciate uh, it. Thank you. No, take care now. Yeah, you, uh, I thought I had a lot going on. She's got so much going on, and she, you know, has a family too. See, that's the thing. She has young ones, um, so that makes makes a whole different environment. Now, I'm gonna play another segment of uh, your personal finance. This one focuses on small business moves, and then I'm gonna come back and share, uh, give you some more information, and reiterate some information I've given on another broadcast. But as uh, folks have asked for this again financial strategies during COVID-19. So take a listen to your personal finance, and I'll be back on the other side. Small businesses face special challenges in controlling their costs. A few simple strategies on today's Your Personal Finance. Uh-huh. A classic story of boy meets girl. Two people at a diner soon discover they share an interest in something other than coffee. So what do you like best about your Dodge Neon? 
Lots of stuff. Like? I love the 16-valve single overhead cam. Excuse me? Or maybe the electronic fuel injection. Or how about the hype sound system? Or the power windows. And the power locks. They're good. But what I really like is neon power mm. to turn heads. <laughs> <laughs> how about another cup of coffee? No. How about a drive? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Now you can drive the head-turning neon for less than you probably expect. Get one all dressed up with lots of extras, including 15-inch wheels or an alarm system. Dodge Neon. Different. Now at a friendly Dodge dealer near you. Any small business owner knows profits can bleed out fast in both large and small ways. Saving money has to be the top priority. Here are a few practical suggestions to get you started. First, stay close to your business's finances. Open your own mail so that you know what bills are paid, when one is overdue, and whether complaints are being received. Keep an eye on checks written on the company account. If any employee dishonesty should turn up, you'll spot it. Another tip, don't put on the writ too soon. Lavish spending may impress one or two clients, but it can get you into trouble fast. Save money by staying at inexpensive hotels, opting for red-eye flights, and other common-sense economies. Remember, no one is going to look after your business as carefully as you. For your personal finance, I'm Charles Ross. And we're back live. Uh, I like that little segment about small business owners. So I want to give you some strategies uh, for dealing with this COVID-19. You know, and I found out something the other day with the 19 refers to that refers to the year that it was found, uh, 2019. That's why it's called COVID-19. Uh, so here's some things that you might want to just kind of just keep in the back of your head or maybe want to move on in terms of a financial strategy during this COVID-19. Uh, most people pay their bills on time every month, but sometimes, you know, money gets tight, especially now during this uh, pandemic. And you have to make some choices about what to pay first. Well, first thing that you have to make sure you do is have enough money to provide food for your family. That's primarily. you got to make sure you can eat. Uh, so you need to review your food spending and find ways to be frugal, uh, frugal rather. And, uh, and that's important because you want to make sure you're being efficient with the money you have. Uh, second, pay your rent or your mortgage. Of course, if you pay your a mortgage, uh, you're going to notice soon. But give your landlord or a mortgage company, particularly a mortgage company, a call because most have instituted COVID-19 plans to give you flexibility on paying your rent and definitely your mortgage. Uh, some mortgage companies and financial institutions have done things called forbearance where they'll say, um, we'll let you not pay your mortgage for six months or four months, and then they'll take that lump sum and tag it on the back of your mortgage, or at the end of the four-month period, you'll have to come up with the money you know, to pay uh, that amount that you've uh, you, that you haven't paid for those four months, so you need to find out what those deals are. Utilities and insurance—that's uh, one of the next things in order of priority. Pay utility bills and insurance. Now, during this pandemic, most utility and internet companies have postponed disconnecting consumers for the next two months. Uh, you have to call them to see what each one is offering. So that's something that you can do. You know, we have time sheltered in place, hey, call your and say, hey, what, what are you offering? And sometimes when you go to their website or if you have the app on your phone, that's the first thing that comes up, the COVID-19, here's our response. Click that on and go check that out. Uh, the next thing comes to car, home, car, homeowner, and life insurance bills. Of course, you need to pay those. 
But when it comes to auto insurance, the major insurance companies like Allstate, State Farm, Geico, and Progressive have announced plans to give customers credit of up to 15 to 20 percent on auto insurance. Okay, no word yet on what companies plan to do for homeowners or life insurance policyholders. Uh, so call your insurance company and ask them, to, hey, what are you offering? Okay, and uh, make sure you can take advantage of those things. Uh, car loans. You need to check with your financial institution if you have a car loan or lease. Many have allowed car owners to postpone up to four to six months worth of payments during the virus, uh, the coronavirus, without damaging your credit or assessing late fees. And the good thing that I've heard about these car loans is that they'll take those payments and just extend your, your, you know, the number of payments. So let's say you have 50 payments, then you say, I want to forego pay payments for four months. Now you have 54 months, you understand? So you won't have to come up with a lump sum. But the main thing is call your, uh, your, your, the company that has your uh, car loan and find out what they are offering you. Uh, so far, on credit card companies haven't announced any plans so far to give customers relief during this uh, pandemic. But keep in mind, credit card companies' histories are reported on your credit and uh, can impact your ability to get future loans. Uh, and then finally, student loans. If you have federal student loans, underlying federal, uh, you should automatically receive some relief without lifting a finger. Borrows we place in so-called administrative forbearance, so you might want to check with your uh, student loan company about that. So when money is tight, prioritize your bills and make sure you pay things on time. So I'm going to play another segment of your personal finance, small business moves. Minute by minute management can keep your small business from succeeding. I'll tell you why on today's Your Personal Finance. classic story of boy meets girl. Two people at a diner soon discover they share an interest in something other than coffee. So what do you like best about your diet, Shia? Lots of stuff. Like? I love the 16-valve single overhead cam. Excuse me? Or maybe the electronic fuel injection. How about the hype sound system? Or the power windows. And the power locks. They're good. But what I really like is neon power to turn heads. (laughs) How about another cup of coffee? No. How about a drive? (laughs) (laughs) Now you can drive the head-turning neon for less than you probably expect. Get one all dressed up with lots of extras, including 15-inch wheels or an alarm system. Dodge Neon. Different. Now at a friendly Dodge dealer near you. Sometimes it is hard for a small business owner to look away from the crisis of the moment. But long-term planning is crucial to your business's success. It's a mistake to judge how you're doing by the balance in your checking account. Your profit and loss statements are a vital management tool. As you grow, you may need to borrow money. But be careful. Although banks are often... 